A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. All right, everybody, this is In Liberty and Health, episode 19. Yeah, episode 19. I got Mark Lobliner with me today. He's amped up. I'm amped up. I'm super stoked for this podcast. Mark, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> you know, that, that kid's got endurance. Yeah, I'm doing a lot more weight than him, but he weighs 97 pounds. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm like, okay, are you tired yet? Dude, I'm good. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't do this anymore. But I mean, he wrestles and he does the, he boxes and he yeah. plays soccer and I just lift and walk really slow. So, I mean, and I, I did box, but it's been a little bit, it's been since August. So mm-hmm. I actually uh, threw some hands the other day. I got a little bit of work in at the, the boxing gym while the kids were there. And I'm like, man, I am not in boxing shape at all. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Well, you've been doing a uh, bodybuilding competitions recently. I've been seeing a bunch of your pictures, right? Well, I mean, so I was getting ready for a boxing tournament. I actually took eight years off of bodybuilding, so to speak. I still lifted. Mm-hmm. Um, but the last couple of years, I literally didn't train shoulders or arms directly. I was just training like, you know, two to three days a week sometimes. But I was training, you know, mainly the compound movements, which isn't really advantageous for bodybuilding. And then, like, mm-hmm. I was getting ready for this tournament. And my wife's like, you got to stop boxing. I'm like, why? She's like, because you make money with your brain and you keep getting your head punched. And I'm like, you make a valid point. You make a really valid point. So, so I'm like, okay, what do I do competitively? She's like, you're 40, stop. And I'm like, can't do it. Can't do it. And so she's like, I'm like, can I go back to bodybuilding? She's like, we'll talk about it. I'm like, ah, whatever. You know, I was like, you're pussy whipped. I'm like, yeah, I am. That's why I have a happy marriage. Now I wear the, <laughs> I wear the pants in the family. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm the disciplinarian. Um, not because I want to be just because the kids don't listen to her. It's biology. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're afraid I'm bigger and I have a deeper voice. That's just biology. You know, it just is what it is. Like my dog, my puppy doesn't listen to my kids or my wife. Mm-hmm. That dog's scared shitless. I mean, I don't hit dogs. I'm not fousy. So, I mean, you know, it's like, I, I, I mean, it's just fucking biology. So right. I'm like, it was like a week, two weeks out from uh, this show called the Knox Classic, and I was actually, I was actually my my bar, I I, I sponsor shows, and my my buddy puts it on. He's like, "Hey man," he's like, "You should compete in the show." Just jokingly, I'm like, "I, I fucking should." So I text, I'm in California, and I, it's like two weeks out. I te- like ten days out or some shit. Mm-hmm. I text my wife. I'm like, "Hey, can I come back to bodybuilding and do the Knox Classic in like a week and a half?" And I expect her to say no, and uh, then she said, "Okay." 
texts me back and I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, hey, hey, Sean, my partner, I'm like, you see this? He's like, yeah, it says okay. I'm like, uh, I can't like not take her up on this. So I did the show, I won it. And uh, then I did North Americans. I barely, barely missed winning that, which is a big show. So I'm doing Masters USA, um, <clears throat> which uh, I, I look great right now. And I'm, I'm saying that mm. from a position of confidence. It's really bad to go into a competition thinking you look like shit. Right. But yeah, everything's on point. I feel good. You know, um, yeah, I, I feel normal. I feel better than normal. So yeah, I made a comeback. I had no intention on it, but my wife made a valid point that I'll never be that good at boxing because I started in my 30s, right? right? Like, but bodybuilding, I'm genetically, you know, geared towards bodybuilding and, you know, so much that everybody thinks I'm on every drug in the fucking world. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I said, there's mesomorph.com has this like Mark Lobiner cycle. It's fucking great. Mm -hmm. First of all, I'm too cheap to spend money on that cycle. Second of all, like that, that's a lot. Like it was like insulin and all that. I'm like, I'm taking insulin. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, I must look fucking amazing. But yeah, it's it's crazy. It's nuts. But mm -hmm. yeah, uh, it, it's been fun, man. I'm sorry to ramble on. No, but... you're good. You're good. Um, I, I remember you told a story once about uh, how you learned what steroids were. Um, are steroids yeah. hereditary in your family? <laughs> so I, uh, <laughs> when I was in high school and I was, uh, I realized, see, so California at the time, and I don't know what's going on in California. And I own a couple of businesses there, but mm -hmm. so California at the time, they had affirmative action. And I'm, I'm a, you know, a, what's some of my music just started playing on my watch. Um, stop, stop. What's going on? <laughs> oh, you're good, man. You're good. Oh man. Fucking they're listening to us. man. Mm -hmm. So, so I you gained, said Fauci. Oh my God. I did. So I gained. <laughs> I literally found the gym and at the age of third, I think it was third at 13 years old. Uh, no, no, it was when I was, uh, 14 from uh, sophomore to junior year, I went from 170 pounds to 240 pounds and lean like for 240, mm -hmm. lean for, for a teenager. And so I come back and this is summer break and people don't realize, like I literally hit puberty, found a training like i was training with the, one of the coaches who was a former cfl player six or four 300 pound guy who repped 405 and i had a, an upperclassman who was going in to be a senior his name was leon hatton who was a d1 prospect so leon and i would train six to, so we'd go and train with the football team then train afterwards then we do conditioning with the basketball team and our post-workout meal was like eight big macs and on weekends <laughs> we'd go to his grandma's house she'd cook us some fried chicken leon was black um just you know, just, and then, and then, no, no, here's, here's the kicker. And then after that, we'd wait a couple hours and go to Roscoe's chicken and waffles and get more. And sometimes go to Eminem soul food. So I grew up in a, I grew up in a really, in a, in a black community. So I ate a lot of fried chicken, a lot of Mac and oh dude, Eminem soul food on La Tierra and Sentinella and Englewood right by my house. They had the most, this Mac and cheese was fucking amazing. This is why people get fat because <laughs> this Mac and cheese was like 77% cheese. There was no Mac. It was all cheese. It was really, it was like creamy on the inside, but crusty on the outside cooked with love and soul that white folks can't do. And, uh, so I, I literally came in to training camp to two a days from a fucking bench warmer on JV to the fucking, like just laying down the fucking hat and throwing people around. So obviously the school's like, what the fuck's this kid on? So the AD's like, we can't make you do it, but do you mind taking a steroid test? I'm like, yeah, I want to I know if I'm on steroids. <laughs> what? 
He's like, he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I mean, I, I guess, can you catch it? I thought it was like a cold or I thought it was like something you get from like tainted meat. Like you just catch steroids. I had no idea. He's like, <laughs> and so I went to the doctor, they tested me, found out I had high test levels, but it was within range for a teenager who's in puberty, who gets a boner every five minutes. Right. And so like I asked the doctor, I'm like, so am I on steroids? And he goes, what, what? And it's this like little meek Asian guy, probably like 40 years old. And I'm like, well, I mean, they said I'm on steroids. Like everybody keeps saying I'm on steroids. I have no idea what these things are. He's like, well, have you ever injected steroids? I'm like, people inject that shit. You know, and uh, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, it turns out I wasn't on steroids. Um, and uh, I just that, that was how I found out about steroids, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. um, I, did you ever mess around with anything, though? When I was a kid? No, I didn't. I didn't mm -hmm. take my first injection until I was 27 years old. Mm -hmm. Now, seven, I was diagnosed with low T okay. and um, and I was diagnosed with endocrine issues, which is a long story. But basically, I worked too hard. Mm -hmm. I'm very ADHD, very type A. And I, and every time someone said I couldn't do something, I would do it, but it usually meant not sleeping and just working all the time. Yeah. I went to the emergency room twice due to exhaustion. I, I almost died. I was, I was running myself and this was self-induced. It wasn't like I OD'd. I literally didn't, I refused to sleep mm -hmm. and I'd sleep about two hours a night. I'd start working at, you know, 3am and I'd go to bed at midnight. It was crazy shit. And it was just like, and I pushed my body to the limits, you know, and this has started when I was 18, 19 years old. And uh, by the time I was 27, my endocrine system died. So the doctor at about 26 and a half, he's like my GP, this isn't a, this isn't like the doctor I have now is a hormone doctor who's going to know about steroids. My GP is a North Carolina conservative guy. And I think he told me, I can't remember that I was one of the first or the first guy he's ever put on HRT that he's ever recommended. He's like, dude, if you don't take this, you're going to be in a world of hurt. And I'm like, all right. And so I put it off for six months. Finally, my wife's like, yeah, you, you, you just, you got like, you got to do it. And I didn't realize how bad I felt until I took the first shot. And I'm like, oh my God, I, I, I'm a Jew. And I saw Jesus. I mean, it was amazing. <laughs> I mean, my shit was so low. It was so low. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm a big advocate of HRT for those who need it. Mm -hmm. I'm not an advocate for those who don't. A lot of people look at me and they're like, oh man, you're, you advocate steroids. If you watch any of my stuff, you know, I always say HRT is amazing if you need it. Like Prozac's amazing if you need it, right? Mm -hmm. Like I don't, I'm not going to fucking take Prozac. That's crazy. I'm not imbalanced. But if you have a mental imbalance, I don't know much about Prozac. I'm just trying to find an example. No. But I'd imagine that Prozac helps some motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's one of those where if you need HRT, it's a it's a goddamn game changer. It's the anti aging serum, right? Yeah, and, and it seems like a lot of the uh, newer kind of fitness influencers are a little bit more open about their use of stuff. And overall, yeah. I kind of think that's a good thing, rather than people. You look at a uh, Myco Trend as they call them. Or I think he's natural God, though. That's another fucking. Do you really? Man, there's there's outliers, dude. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen some shit. You know, I, I've, I've known guys who I know are natural, who I know who you would look at them and you'd be like, huh? You know, <laughs> it's just like, there's a kid on my, my son's soccer team, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I'm, I'm going to name his name because he's amazing. This kid's name is Connor. And he's built, though, but he's got thick legs. But the kid's the number two fastest long cross-country runner in the state. Mm -hmm. And this kid is a forward. He will literally press the defense and run all game back and forth, just disrupting the defense. So they can't build out from the back. Mm 
And I think the word they use, the kids are using nowadays, he's just built different. And I think Mike O'Hearn, and I remember one of the first, when I, I, the first gym I ever trained at when I was a kid Mm -hmm. consistently was Gold's Gym in Venice. And Mike O'Hearn was training there. It was back when he was married to Mindy. I've been in this industry a long time. Yeah. And I remember seeing this fucking gorgeous man. Like Mindy was hot, but Mike was hot. Like I was, I'm not even gay. And I would, I would have sex with Mike O'Hearn. And I saw this dude, I'll never forget this image. Like there was like, he had a training partner. Mindy was there. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I don't know if I'm even allowed to say her name cause they're divorced and whatever, but anyway, and I'll never forget this. And the guy had like fucking six plates on each side of a, a reverse hyper machine, which I've never seen anybody do it, but he wasn't big. He wasn't a power lifter. He looked amazing. Yeah. And that was when he was on TV. He was on the gladiators and shit. And I, I couldn't stop staring at this gentleman. And now we're friends. Um, well, friendly, we don't like hang out on Thanksgiving, but people say they're friends. It's like, we are friendly. Like if I see him, we hug each other and make out. So that's at least what goes through my head. No, but Mike, Mike O'Hearn, I believe again, like, I don't know what the fuck's in his body. I don't care. But if he, if we did find out he's natural, I would be the one to be like, I told you. Because mm-hmm. he's just a dude. There's outliers. There's people who do, dude. Look at like, like, okay. You have people who are like uber smart, like fucking Elon yeah. Musk and fucking these guys with the eight million fucking IQs. Like, you're telling me you can't have a physical outlier like like mm-hmm. Michael Hearn? I'm gonna get so much hate for this every time I'm at <laughs> Michael Hearn's name. Uh huh. And it's like, oh, it's his duck eggs. I'm like, okay, the duck eggs were kind of silly, but like, <laughs> Mike, Mike's, Mike's just a fucking. He's a and even if he's on steroids god he looks better than everybody else on steroids well yeah and see that's uh kind of another point that i've thought about listening to uh, a lot of the newer fitness influencers when they talk about people on gear and stuff like that is that um there are some people that are just you know they may be juiced to the gills but they just don't respond well to it or they just don't have good genetics period and despite the fact they're on juice they don't get huge when I lived in Illinois, I trained at LA Fitness for a long period of time and, and then export. And now I train at a, a more hardcore gym, a carbon culture. It's a very clean, hardcore gym. Um, I love it to death. It's a small, quaint gym and I can bring my kids in there and everybody knows your name. It's like cheers for those of you old enough to watch that show. You know, you walk in, it's like Norm, you know, it's great. Um, you boomers will know what I'm talking about. Um, and if you don't, you need to binge watch cheers. Greatest show ever made better than Seinfeld. Um you know, I would guess that 50% of the guys I talked to at LA Fitness were on steroids. They just fucking had either shitty work ethic, shitty genetics, or shitty diet, or all of the above. And a lot of these guys are the ones texting between sets. They're the ones fucking not going to failure. They're the ones. And I made a lot of, uh, there's because a lot of ruckus, so to speak, not to mention my pre workout nor my dog's name, both are named Ruckus. Um, <laughs> in talking about that diet is not, a, not 80% of the equation, diet's not even the most important part. The part that separates, and this is someone who's trained with Dorian Yates to Ronnie Coleman in his prime to, to Brandon Curry's my business partner. Like I've trained with mm-hmm. Phil Heath to Kai Green. The, the best bodybuilders in the world will fucking bury you because they train and they train at a level and an intensity. Obviously, drugs play a role, genetics play a role, food plays a role. But to say that diet is the main predicator. Oh, man, come on. Have you seen what these bodybuilders eat in the offseason? Like mm-hmm. Lee Priest used to eat fucking KFC and Krispy Kreme every meal. I mean, it's, it's 80%. Here's the thing. Everything's 100%. And your body works in unison. Like if you don't have fuel, you're not going to be able to fucking operate the machinery. If you're not operating the machinery at a high level, your fuel is not going to get used. So nothing's, nothing's 80%. Everything's 100%. 
Everything adds up. It's all part of the equation. And that's, that's why I hate when people go, oh, diet's 80% of them. I'm like, what fucking study are you fucking referencing? And what fucking, are you using Fauci math? I mean, what the fuck? Where did you come up with 80%? Like, where the fuck did 80%? I posted that day on Instagram. Where the fuck did 80% come from? Right yeah, out I of saw that. Yeah. Man, fuck that. I'm done with stupid people. I'm done trying to put numbers on fucking athletics. Look, dude, yeah. at the end of the day, you got to, you got to, when you're, when I'm training a wrestler, when I'm training a soccer player, which I've coached thousands of them, I'm, I'm coaching them as a, as a whole, like my goal. I don't even know. I don't know. I never wrestled in my life, but I know the moves. I know we need to fucking be balanced. I know we need to be able to explode and shoot. I know we need to be able to defend and know we need to be able to balance in case someone grabs one of our legs. So it all makes sense. So yeah, what's the squats are 90% of fucking of, of wrestling. I'm like, uh, what about unilateral movements? Cause half the time someone's picking up one of your legs and you're trying not to get flung across the goddamn circle. So I just hate when people speak in absolutes and I hate when people put things in black and white because that's not science. That's not, and, and that that's that's why I, I get into politics because everything we're doing now is not science because mm -hmm. it's it's fucking it's, fluid. Right. I, I was arguing with a friend earlier today, and I've been kind of of the opinion that putting masks on children is fucking child abuse because yeah. if children are not the main vector that COVID nineteen spreading through. There's so many rabbit holes I want to go down um, talking to you here, but uh, I guess we'll we'll dive down this one first. Yeah. And a friend of mine said. Oh, well, a mask is a negligible thing f that um, can be potentially, you know, good for people overall. And I'm like, you're missing the point. Teaching children that they need to treat themselves and everybody else is walking disease vectors. What the fuck is wrong with you? Children well, should not be all, up for debate here. No, no. Even adults. Nobody should have to wear a mask. Right, Your I friend's agree, an yeah. idiot. You'd stop being friends with him because he's a fucking buffoon. Okay, he's a fucking idiot. I don't like the guy already. At the end of the day, you're covering up the most important part of a child, and that's their ability to make expression, their ability to smile, their ability to communicate. And it's it's really bad. And also, you're exposing them to a lot of built up bacteria. One time before I got health exemptions, my son wore a mask to school. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a light colored mask. Have you ever looked at the inside of a fucking mask after a day of school? That's a disease vector. And also, let's just be honest, masks don't fucking work. No, they don't. They just don't work. Not the way we're applying them. Now, if we all got properly fitted for N95s and we threw them away after every time we touched them, then we could have a conversation. But wearing the same cloth masks day after day, putting in your pocket, hanging it from your fucking rearview mirror, that ain't doing shit except for helping spread mm -hmm. it. And also realize it's an aerosolized friggin' virus. So it's going to get out. If you can breathe, the virus can escape. And the virus is way smaller than those holes in your little fucking sequence fucking mask that has a little drawing of a fucking, you know, a unicorn on it. At the end of the day, they don't fucking work. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, fuck you. If your mask works, don't tell me to wear a mask. Mm -hmm. Anybody who still wears a mask, it's an IQ test or it's a, a tribalism test. If yeah. you're still wearing a mask and it's an option and like when I fly, I obviously have to wear a fucking mask. If you're still wearing a mask voluntarily, you're just not fucking smart. You just, you just, or you want to fit in, or you just don't want to be yelled at by someone who's scared, um, who's unjustifiably scared. So your friend is absolutely incorrect. You are right. It is child abuse. And I would say it's adult abuse. Now, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. Right. But I'm going to pass judgment because I'm going to look at you and say that you obviously can't fucking read. Yeah, exactly. I agree completely. And it's it's so sad to me 
to see people walking outside with with a mask on by themselves there's people at my fucking work that dude it's like you're walking through an automotive shop <laughs> all these chemicals that are coming out of tailpipes you know everything that will probably kill you much quicker than covid and then even if you get covid more than likely you're going to be all right um i was talking with my fiance a little bit earlier about this too but okay, i'm not going to say I, I don't i'm not going to say you should divorce her and I'm not going to say that, that I don't like her either. So no matter what you say, I'm going to be agreeable. <laughs> well, she, she's, really, I she's, really capped on your friend. Yeah, she, she's uh, on the same page as me with uh, just about everything here. Um, Good. Yeah. So we were talking about this whole masking deal. And it's like they haven't talked about metabolic health at all or natural immunity. And no. basically putting a mask on is like saying you're in a fucking burning building and People are telling you, oh, just put on a fire suit. How about you get the fuck out of the burning building? You know, there's a million other things you could do to actually improve your immunity or, you know, uh, just not deal with COVID in a severe way. And none of that has been spread around. It's been told, you know, you've been told, stay in your house, be scared of the air, get vaccinated, and then in six months, get another vaccination. And then, you know, if you get COVID, well, you still got to get the shot, even though there's hundreds of studies coming out now proving natural immunity is robust and better than vaccines and lasts longer than vaccines. Well, the COVID vaccine just is underperforming. I'm not going to say it doesn't work. Right, okay. neither do I. But it's it's vastly underperforming. And mm -hmm. for a lot, a large portion, large portion means anybody to me, by the way, because I'm one of the ones who my doctor said under any circumstance, I cannot take the vaccine because mm -hmm. of my medical history and my body and, and whatever that is, right? So, okay. So I'm going to be discriminated against because I can't medically safely take a medical procedure. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely ludicrous. So you can't just blanket give everybody the same thing. For example, you know, on every supplement I make, I have to put a warning, right? Like that's like forcing everyone should take vitamin C. What about those who are sensitive to oxalates? You know, everyone should do this. It's like you can never have a blanket statement of everyone should take this. Right. And this 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 medical procedure that they're they're giving out definitely has some contraindications that we found from many populations and you're going to see in the next 5 years you're going to see a you're already seeing it with athletes a fivefold increase in heart issues with athletes with professional athletes fivefold increase i read now i don't know the data i dumb not don't don't Quote me on this. This is what I read today. Whether it's bullshit or not, it's the fucking internet. But all I know is I'm seeing athletes collapsing. I never saw that shit before. Except that one guy, um, I forgot his name. It was in the 90s. Gainer, I forgot his name. But he was actually a, a highly recruited college basketball player. And he just collapsed on the free throw line, congenital heart defect. We're seeing that every week. And they're trying to hide it. And it's usually the international guys who had to get the shot. So look, dude, all I'm saying, like, I'm cool with the Vax. I don't care. I'm a bodybuilder. If you want to inject something into your body, I don't give a shit. Uh, mandating them is where I have the problem mm -hmm. because I don't want to because, and, 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 you know, screw natural immunity. I don't want them testing me for anything. Right. I agree. Yeah. You want to risk getting COVID being that the vaccine does not prevent the spread nor the, the acquiring of COVID. Mm -hmm. Why would you force anybody? Cause you're doing it. Getting the vaccine is selfish because you're just protecting yourself. You can still spread it and you can still get it. So that doesn't protect anybody. It's like, you're irresponsible. Like irresponsible who myself, 
I'm like, if I jaywalk, are you gonna have that same energy? I just hate stupid people. And unfortunately, I'm surrounded by fucking stupid people because I've never ever capped on somebody for not getting a measles shot when they were a baby. Right. I've never ever like asked, hey man, did your parents give you the polio inoculation? Like, because I have it. And I'm like, well, I'm not really scared of getting polio because I have the polio vaccine. So if you have the COVID vaccine, why the fuck do I scare you? Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And it's kind of funny that they want to signal to you that the vaccines are the end all be all. And that if you get vaccinated, you're going to be safe. But literally everything, not just like one or two things, but literally everything they do says the complete opposite. Like they they basically act as if they have zero faith in the vaccines. And fuck, for all we know, maybe they don't have any faith in it. But oh, nobody, nobody, anybody who has faith in those vaccines now has mm-hmm. neglected the current data. We went mm-hmm. from ninety nine percent effective to twenty eight <laughs> in the course of like, I mean, twenty eight percent. Would you use a condom with twenty? First, I wouldn't use a condom, but. Bad example, bad example. I hate condoms so much, so much that I got surgery to never have to wear one again. I'm busting nuts all, all over the place. Man. It's great. I think uh, I'm busy from leg day. I'm going to blame uh, leg day for this conversation. Uh, but no, I mean, con- think about it, though. If you had a contraception, contraceptive, that could potentially damage your heart, and only was 28 or let's say, let's say 35. Let's give them the bet. 40, 40%. Let's pad it a little bit. They said, Hey, put this on your penis. Okay. But it could potentially cause your heart to get a condition that'll probably kill you within five to 10 years. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> 70% chance she's going to get pregnant anyway. Would you put that on your penis? No, I don't think I know any guy that really would boil that equation down and say, ah, yeah, it sounds, sounds good. Yeah, I'm not the guy to, to wear a condom at all, but I wouldn't wear that one for sure. <laughs> because condoms are just uncomfortable. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's, really, it's really just a horrible, horrible thing. And I love what they do. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, before we, we had kids and, you know, we, we used them. But, like, when you go from wearing one to not, you're like, okay, now I understand why there's unwanted pregnancies. <laughs> No, it's like, yeah, no, I, I, I completely get it. Yeah, no, nah, the, the Trojan commercial. It's like it feels like there's nothing there. I'm like, you liars. Yeah, oh, dude, that's you the biggest bullshit commercial. Liars. It's it's terrible. Terrible. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, the, the, um, anybody lawyer up yet? You know, uh, false advertising. I guess it's not the same, bro. No. It's not the same. It's just not even close. No, I'm pretty sure that's how you know. I don't. I don't think I want to say that on there because if I say what I'm about to say, people might look yeah, at me. <laughs> You, you, probably, you probably shouldn't. You probably shouldn't. Nah, nah. Leave that to me. See, I'm, I'm good with it, man. I'm got my high school sweetheart. You know, um, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Good. She's, she's here. Yeah. She understands I say stupid things. And uh, she's going to be like, did you really say that? I'm going to be like, what? I'm like, you didn't like him either. <laughs> so. I guess that kind of leads you to the next question. Your childhood was pretty interesting because you lost your parents relatively young. And I lost my dad young. Mm-hmm. I lost my dad young. My mom, I, I'd say I lost, but that was due to drug addiction. So right. my mother's actually still alive. My father died from uh, Okay. I, I, I don't know why I thought. Yeah. I don't talk to my mom mm-hmm. because I don't want her around my kids. 
Now that sucks. But my mom is actually, if you take away the addiction, my mom's the American dream. If that didn't happen. Now my mom, you know, was born in Poland at seven years old, moved to Israel, came over to America when she was 14. Um, and, uh, you know, without in is in Israel, they learn languages, right? So she knew like four or five languages, obviously not fluently, but she knew English. She knew a bunch. She knew, you know, everything from Yiddish to Polish, many languages. So she came here, learned the language, worked two jobs. You know, her parent, her, her father escaped Auschwitz, a Holocaust survivor, just the American dream, ended up owning a business, a cookie store in Simi Valley, California, called the Cookie Cookie Company. I mean, just a really, really the American dream. And then, you know, whether it was her time. So when she was 21, I believe she went back to Israel and served because everybody has to serve. She had dual citizen, has dual citizenship and whatever she saw. And that was around the war of, of nine. It was a really gruesome war all the time those years in Israel. And again, like, I don't want anybody to be like, you're a Zionist. Now I'm an American. I don't, I don't play. Everybody's like, where do you stand with Israel? I'm like, I don't, they handle their own shit. I'm an American. I've never been to Israel. I like that perspective like, here. Well, it's like, dude, I have a friend. It's funny. I'm, I'm a digress. I have ADHD. So oh, you're good, man. You're good. My friend Wayne is from Zimbabwe and he gets really upset when black people who've never been to Africa call themselves African-Americans. He's like, you've never been to Africa. Oh my God, that was not Wayne. That was more fucking um, Wakanda. <laughs> but, um, uh, but, but, and I understand Wayne's a, one of my, I love Wayne Mutata, phenomenal guy, phenomenal bodybuilder. Um, and I uh, just fucking love that guy so much. And um, so I'm an American. Like, I'm not a Jewish American. I'm Jewish, but I'm a fucking American. Like, I don't give a fuck. What goes on in Israel? We have enough problems over here for me to fucking worry about Israel. I'm sorry. I care about my country. So am I a Zionist? I, I don't mind Israel having their own country. Let them figure that shit out. Yeah. You know, and, and we do have an, and, and as a country, we need allies. Israel's an ally. So I guess that makes America a Zionist country, right? Because we like Israel, you know, um, Everybody in D.C. Need, knows we need some form of an Israel out there, mm. you know, just a strategic partner, so to speak. And I don't think we can really trust the Palestinians to be like, hey, guys, we need you to fuck up Iran. They'll be like, fuck, no, we ain't messing up Iran. But Israel would. Mm. Israel is a ride or die partner. They will fuck some shit up if we asked them to. Yeah, I guess if we're going down that kind of rabbit hole. Uh, yeah. Form, do you listen to Scott Horton at all? I don't. I've never heard of him. Okay, Scott Horton is the libertarian foreign policy genius. This dude has over 5,000 interviews. He just debated Bill Crystal, if you know who Bill Crystal is. Oh, my God, that cocksucker. Yeah. It, when when we're done here, put it on your watch later. I know you're a busy dude, but uh, check out the debate between Scott Horton. Kidding? I listen to three hours of podcasts a day. Okay, Every well. I, I don't listen to the radio. I listen to all podcasts. If you want to hear, like, the king neocon get absolutely mopped then look up bill crystal scott horton it was a debate on the soho forum and you want to talk about just like demolished at the end of the debate he uh bill crystal's for us just saying no i don't want to answer any more questions and then he says oh well you know i think it's better to make arguments on good faith on uh the side of your opponent and yeah that's a better way to make arguments that he walks off oh yeah, dude, it was I, great I, I love it i love when when common sense wins out like um when when to sink Uyghur, um 
got with uh, Shapiro. That was phenomenal. Shapiro just mopped yeah. the floor with him. But I'm sure the liberals saw it some other way, but I'm not even concerned. I'm, I'm, I'm an independent, actually. Mm-hmm. But yeah, back to my mom. I mean, just, you know, she was like, she's a fucking veteran. Like, she's a, a, a veteran. Oh. You know, my grandfather was a, there's a dog. My grandfather was a, um, you know, uh, a pro boxer who ended up escaping Auschwitz while his entire family, my entire family was, was fucking eradicated from the earth. So, and that's the reason why I proudly wear a Jewish star. It's not because I'm for the state of Israel. It's because my heritage is fucking amazing. I love my heritage. And that's why I get so upset with critical race theory saying, apologize for being white. I'm like, why don't you fuck yourself? Why don't you fuck yourself? Because I might be light I might be white pigmented, but my history is rich. My family never owned slaves. I'm white, but I have not had privilege. I grew up in the inner city. I had a, a very, 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 um, interesting childhood where I should have probably gone the other way. I should be dead right now. You want to know the reason I'm alive? Remember that first story I told about steroids? It's because those two black men, two strong black men saved my life. And one white guy named Coach Scott McCrillo. That's why I'm alive. I would have been dead. I was running the streets doing terrible shit. My life was saved by two black men, one who was 17 years old and one who was a reverend and a linebacker coach. So don't come to me about privilege and don't come to me about me being a white supremacist. If it wasn't for two black men, I would not be sitting here right now. And I damn sure would not be sitting in a fucking mansion in Brentwood, Tennessee. I'll tell you that much. That's hundred percent. The truth It's because those two men that I owe everything to because they saved me. They showed me the way they showed me how to be a fucking man. They showed me that with hard work, I can accomplish whatever I wanted to. And it wasn't because I listened to some fucking Gary V podcast and he said, quit your job while he while he started with a three million dollar fucking wine company that was handed to him by his parents. He never struggled. It was because I had two great men, one who wasn't even 18 years old, show me how to be a man. And that's why I coach to this day. I coach because it's how I give back. And Coach Scott McCrilla, he sat down with me till 1, 2 a.m. putting together my highlight reels for colleges so I can get the fuck out of my situation because Scott knew what I was going through at home. My father had his second stroke. Scott drove to my house, called the ambulance. So I did not do this on my own. It was three men, three coach, two coaches and one player, an outside linebacker who taught me how to be a man. And my brother, I had a really good brother, unfortunately he moved out when I was pretty young. But I had four male role models, and including my father, I'm going to put my father in there, five, who, who got me out of my situation. So just because I'm white-skinned, just, just because I'm European and it's cloudy and my people did not develop pigment, don't lump me in with some bullshit that happened in this country. My family wasn't even fucking here. And that's why we can't be using race as a measurement of character. Your skin tone has nothing to do with who you are. I have a black friend who's light skin with red fucking hair. Imagine being that guy. Okay, I have a cousin. You could look up the low blinder name on Facebook. Most of us are black. Mm-hmm. He's half Nigerian, half Polish. There's a lot of jokes to be had there. <laughs> but that's the thing is that are you telling me that I'm a different person than my my cousin, David, because I happen to be 
I have a different mom who isn't black. We look the same. He literally looks like me with darker skin. He acts like me. You can tell we're the same family. That's why I hate this shit. And I hate the race card. And I hate when they lump us together. And we see differently eye to eye. Like I have my cousins in, in California are, are liberal black people. Mm-hmm. I'm an independent, whatever gun toting fucking redneck in Tennessee. Who came from the hood, you know? So that's, that's where my thought is. I don't know what I was talking about, but yeah, you can't pigeonhole people, man. Right. No, dude, I completely agree. And the nice thing there is that you never said, even though you disagree with them politically, you never said, Oh, these are bad people. I think a lot of people, when they start talking politics or COVID anything, really even diet, people look at, you know, people as the enemy and like, you know, I can't, be around this person. I can't do this. I can't do that. Like, unless this person legitimately is out to harm you, why can't we talk to these people? Because maybe if you talk to somebody, maybe they'll come more towards your side or you'll find out where you're wrong. And this is something else I was talking to my fiance about earlier, but uh, you know, you need to talk to other people and you need to hear other people's point of view because um, the one thing that Scott Horton always says, you need to attack the right from the right and the left from the left. If we want to convince yeah. people of our ideas, then we need to understand their point of view and bring them towards our point of view. If our point of view is correct, and, you know, once again, attack the left from the left and the right from the right. Well, I mean, you've obviously never met a vegan. <laughs> I've known a few vegans and I, I want to talk to you about so, this too, but I was carnivore for about two years. But well, yeah. my, my good friend, Nebetcher, his name's Hawk. He goes by Hawk. And um, he's, he's Native American, so we're not going to have the Thanksgiving conversation I uncomfortably had with him once. I'm like, happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> I didn't even think, man. I didn't even realize. Like, I didn't even realize he was. I knew he was Native American, but I didn't yeah. fucking. Think. It, it like, wasn't occurring. To them, yeah. to them, Thanksgiving's not as cool as it is to us, right? Like it was bad for them. Like they're like, oh, yeah. I'm like, like yeah. Here's why we don't. So I'm like, oh, okay. But I mean, he's a vegan, mm-hmm. but he's that he's a vegan for cultural purposes. His he's in a non-aggressive tribe, and he's a fucking vegan, and he's a great bodybuilder. Um, I coach him. And coaching vegans is different because there's a lot of deficiencies you have to address. But, and the going on to cap on the carnivores um, a little bit, they are incorrect because I'll guarantee you this my boy Hawk can fuck up any carnivore on a bodybuilding stage if you know what you're doing. It takes more work. Mm-hmm. It takes more work. Like I, water fluctuations, sodium fluctuations are different in vegans. They are. And we have to pay attention to supplementation. We have to use a lot of powdered protein, like Ambrosia Planta was 90% of his diet. Ambrosia Planta, my brand. He literally was, I mean, especially when we got down to the nitty gritty, his calories were low and he's a gangster. He trains hard. And that's why I always say training intensity. Like here's a guy who's a vegan living off of powder who literally went as a natural and won everything but the overall one is class, won everything wow. at an NPC show in North Carolina. So, you know, there's <clears throat> vegans are interesting folks because they look at murdering animals like we look at murdering people. So you, you really have to be careful with that one. Whereas carnivores, they're necessary. The carnivore is the kind of yin and yang to the vegans. Yeah. Now, if you just have one side being nasty, it's really one side and just get mean vegans who threaten to kill you and i've had death threats by vegans simply because i had a video of me eating a steak i wasn't even doing anything it's like you're a murderer somehow vegans got a hold of my diet video it was back in like 2015 Mm -hmm. and um it's on my youtube channel and 
next thing you know, it's like, and I had a video of like a day in the life and I ate like a good amount of meat and I ate whey. And then they're like, Oh, you're raping cows. I'm like, Jesus Christ, that sounds <laughs> terrible. And, um, but then I, I, I empathize because like to them, animals are people, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and they obviously don't care about insects because to farm you have to kill a lot of insects. But they have small animals too. Yeah. Regardless of the semantics of it, um, I, I empathize and I understand. And 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 the thing is, then you have Sean Baker, who I think is brilliant. And yeah. Sean's done a lot. He didn't invent the carnivore diet. And, no. and honestly, I think he was out to, you know to make money from the get-go I, I it's like you don't have to buy supplements except here's my electrolyte supplement and oh you don't all you need to do is just eat two ribeyes a day oh by the way here's my book on how to do it oh and here's our community please donate to this and I, i'm not mad mm-hmm. i'm a business person but trust me sean's making good money being the carnivore guy mm-hmm. he did it brilliantly like the dude's smart and he can speak and he's articulate he's you know he, he kind of looks the part um i mean He's not a bodybuilder, but he's a big, tough guy. I wouldn't want to fight him, you know. So, well, dude's um, fucking. He, I, well, his record deadlift was in the seven hundreds, I think. He oh, had a oh record I'm not again. Like his his body's funky looking. Like he's got the weirdest yeah. upper body ever. His pecs started like his upper abs. Mm-hmm. Um, but dude, what a fucking beast! Like this dude's tossing fucking sandbags and you know mm-hmm. and that shit. And I even made I made a video about him. I'm like, well, if it's the perfect diet, why is he fat? <laughs> I, I, you know, so when I was carnivore, cause I was carnivore for about two years and I went off of it about six months ago, just because I got so sick of looking at all these delicious carby foods and never eating them. Um, kind of a little side note to go down this rabbit hole. I, uh, you know, I would do good for like a week or two, but then you get that one little thing of sugar, this one little cheat. And the next thing you know, you're fucking face down three cheesecakes and, bunch of pieces of chocolate later and then you literally lose all the progress you made that week and i see so many fucking carnivore people doing this they'll ask how can i get more fat and i need more fat oh i just had three ribeyes today four eggs my coffee had a whole gallon of whipping cream and butter in it and then they eat like one blueberry and like oh my god carbs make you fat like bro (laughs) you know exactly um... what i'm talking about yeah it it, a calorie is not a calorie but thermodynamics do play a role. So I, I just, so my thing is, is that, you know, I'm like, well, they keep saying that you can eat as much as you want and not get fat. But Sean was like 14% body fat when he was starting. And after that, he kind of shut me the fuck up. And I even did a video on it. Like the dude got shredded. Like he, he did. Yeah. Shredded. He went down from eating 17 ribeyes to 14. And the guy, <laughs> the guy just, I mean, he's, he's a fucking freak. Like, but the thing is he was before the carnivore diet. He's an indoor rowing champion. Like yeah. the guy's a fucking beast. Like, dude, you could, there's some, we all know that guy who can eat like shit and yep. fucking still look like a God. And, and I, I, I've seen, look, man, I, and the reason I love the carnivore diet and I'm going to say, I also, I can say, I lo- the reason I love blank diet about every single diet because I'm not tribal. I don't right. give a fuck. I mean, I don't give a fuck. And right now I'm eating trace fat, basically whatever. I'm not counting it. I'm eating lower fat options. Mm-hmm. And let's say today's my higher carb day. Cause it was like day I'm at 360 grams of protein and 350 grams of carbs and fats probably ending up at 50 to hundred. Um, and I'm three weeks out. 
most people get fat as fuck on those macros. Like there's outliers, right? And that yeah. diet won't work for people who are carb intolerant. And I'm also, I'm on, I'm on HRT. So I'm on androgens. Um, I take metformin because I love it for anti-aging. I train harder than anybody you've ever met. Most likely, except for maybe Kai. Um, maybe, yeah, Kai trains harder than me. Um, Brandon Curry trains different. I'm not going to say harder or not harder. He trains longer and less intense, but he takes three minutes between sets. I have ADHD. I can't take more than 40 seconds. <laughs> like, I'm like, and even then I'm like, shit, is it time yet? Um, yeah, you know, yeah. I train harder than 99.9% .9 of bodybuilders. And so you can't equate me and I'm active. Like I'm fidgety. You know that if you fidget, if you have like, like me, I'm, I'm constantly moving. You burn 800 to 2000 extra calories a day. Yeah. Your um, non-exercise activity thermogenesis is quite a large bit of your calories. It's ridiculous. It's not even my wife's like, sit the fuck still, you know, you're fucking weird. Stop. I'm, I'm always on the go. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't just sit down like, unless I'm doing this, but even then I'm, I'm, I'm gesticulating, I'm doing all this shit. Yeah. So whereas Brandon, he, he can eat a lot. He's obviously an elite bodybuilder with elite genetics. But I've seen Brandon just sit down and do nothing for two hours and be happy about it. So mm -hmm. there's, there's differences. But vegans, the reason I love their diet is because there's an ethical reason for it. There's a purpose. Mm -hmm. um, there's ultra, it's great. It's great. Um, I love keto. I think keto has a lot of applications for a lot of different populations. The carnivore diet's amazing if you have any kind of an autoimmune issue because it's taking out most of your allergens. You know, I'm, I'm for, you know, higher carb, higher protein diets for the population of athletes who perform well with higher carbohydrate and burn through glucose really fast. Or those who uh, do not need as much you know, who, who, who have maybe are on steroids or maybe have high testosterone. Like if you're on steroids, like, and you're on a replacement dose, that's no different than just being a guy with high test. So there's a lot of variables and that's why you can't just be like, okay, this diet's perfect for this guy. And that's why as a coach, when I coach people, I, I, I don't go like, okay, everybody's getting this diet. It's like, wait a second, this guy, Oh shit, this isn't doing well. We'll, we'll go to this. You know, it's just, you got to kind of read it. It depends. Yeah. So like I said earlier, I did do a carnivore diet for about two years, but now I'm doing a reverse diet and I use a Lane Norton's carbon app. And I have to say, I absolutely love it. And I'm at about one to one to one at about 3,300 calories. So I'm about, um, I think 188 grams of fat, 200 grams of carbs and 205 grams of protein. And I feel fantastic. My training's great. Um, I feel way better than I did on zero carb. I like doing zero carb and I even did like five day fasts. I do a three day fast every month. Felt great, but you know, it definitely wasn't the best for muscle building. Now that I'm, you know, got a lot more carbs in, like I said, training's through the roof. I feel great. My lifts are going up and yeah, I, I like that. And I feel like it's a lot more sustainable because I have room for junk food, if you want to call it that. And you know, I don't feel like I have to go out to eat and then throw away like a plate of food. And that's what I found to be a problem with the carnivore diet is that, you know, you go to restaurants, it's like, okay, well, I have to spend this ridiculous amount of money. Eating at home is not a problem because you can whip together steak, oh, you, eggs, you and everything. Out, unless you go to like Golden Corral, you can't eat out on the carnivore diet. Texas Day, Brazil, or Fogo de Chow. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, but that's a little too pricey for me. I'll go Golden Corral. <laughs> I'll go Golden Corral. Yeah, I guess um, I've ever been there. Oh, uh, don't go. Well, actually, no, no, I'm sorry. That's a lie. I went there when I was in like sixth grade. So that was like 
yeah, long time and ago. You, and you still have indigestion from it. Uh, <laughs> look, man, I, I can't cap on any diet, um, but I can pick faults on any diet and I can also point to the positives. And, and that's why I like what you're doing now. I like balance because mm -hmm. carbohydrate are good. Like here's the problem with the carnivore diet. I'm not buying the oxalate thing. I'm not buying the yeah. anti-nutrient thing. And there's so much data, like they'll cherry, like they're like the vegans cherry pick data as they cherry pick data on oxalates. Mm -hmm. They, they overlook all the data. There's literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands of studies mm -hmm. on vegetables and fruits and health and longevity and yet they'll find that one obscure study done in fucking india and they're like oh my god it's gonna fuck if you eat a fucking piece of broccoli you're gonna fucking die you're yeah. not gonna absorb any nutrients and they're right you know meat look man when I, I eat a lot of veggies now because i'm dieting and for me, this amount of calories, I like to, I like to have my veggies. I like to have my micronutrients and I know that my body is going through a lot of shit right now. So I want to make sure that in addition to my supplements that I'm getting plenty of, I do this mix that's Brussels sprouts and peppers and mushrooms and shit like that. And then I do asparagus and I do a lot of blueberries and bananas. Bananas are probably 50% of my carbohydrates, sweet potatoes. I don't eat any non-nutrient dense foods. My carb sources are bananas, vegetables, and blueberries and sweet potatoes right now because I don't want to die. And bodybuilding, competing in bodybuilding is extremely unhealthy. Mm -hmm. It just fucking is. So I'm doing everything I can to mitigate. That's where a lot of these bodybuilders go wrong. They don't mitigate the risks they take as bodybuilders. Me, I have no reason to do this other than fucking midlife crisis. So I'm going to make sure that I come out of here as unscathed as possible. You know, it's like, oh, check everything. Like, I always tell people, like, what do you think? What do you what do you consider a good workout? I'm like, one where I walk out of the gym without an injury. That's pretty much how I consider because I'm going to have a hard workout. Mm -hmm. But did I hurt anything? Does my knee hurt? Like, I walked out of the gym today, and I went to stop, put bands on the hack squat. I went to step out from my last set of hack squats, and I nearly broke my shit. Like, my son was laughing because I couldn't step over. But my knee didn't hurt. My legs were just tired. That's a good workout. You know, my back didn't hurt. Cause I'm 41, like shit gets weird. So, <laughs> so, you know, you could, you could pick apart, but the thing is it's about mitigating risks and anything you do in life, mitigate risks. Like you're playing the stock market. Okay. Uh, mitigate your risks. Yeah. Everything's about mitigating risks, including exercise. So who kind of inspired you to train the way you do? Uh, I'm hearing a lot of Dorian Yates, but correct me if I'm wrong. Um, training with Dorian, man, I don't train like Dorian. I do way too much volume and I mm -hmm. don't do the intensity sets quite to his level. Um, but Dorian taught me how to truly unlock intensity. Like it was, it was like, it was just to, to, to have Dorian there and to instruct you how to take it to that level. And he was explaining to me before we trained He's like, you'll be able to get there because you're advanced. He's like, but beginner intermediate can't do this workout because you have to go past that point where most people can't go. And even most advanced trainers can't do it. And then as I'm going and he says, no, you got, I'm like, I'm reaching failure. He's like, nope, you got another five. He's like, no, you got another five. No, you got another five. Next thing you know, I've done triple what I could have done. And he unlocked that cheat code in my brain. And I think that was a very inspirational moment in my training. It was at his gym in Birmingham, United Kingdom. And uh, 
I also think that, you know, training with Dana Lynn Bailey shows you that you're a fucking pussy. <laughs> Dana, Dana will literally do heavyweights, high reps, and supersets. And it's the craziest shit you've ever been a part of. Mm-hmm. Everybody who's trained with her will tell you, dudes, chicks, doesn't matter. She's the most intense person you'll probably train with. Kai Green, you know, his uh, kind of um, the way he mentally approaches training and his philosophical view, it's weird as fuck, but it takes the next level. And then you mix in like a a Brandon Curry where, you know, he's more of a, I'm going to focus. He's very calm. He's very deliberate. And then Phil Heath where Phil has fun and Phil has a good time training. He enjoys every second of it. So, I mean, I, it sounds like I'm name dropping, but my, my training style, um, to exos to where I'm actually like, you're not going to see these guys do the one legged athletic bullshit I do. So every, and CrossFit, like I'm a, people don't realize I'm a certified CrossFit trainer. So I've taken parts of every, there was a show called heroes. I don't know if you've watched it. Yeah. I've watched the first like season and, and half. It actually so the, do you remember Silo? So there was Siler, Siler, so Siler, yeah, yeah, yeah. Siler was the king where every time he would kill another hero, he'd get their powers. Mm-hmm. So he became this almighty powerful guy where, okay, so now he can become invisible. Now he can shape shift. Now he can do this. So everybody I've trained with made me into a Siler in that I took pieces of everything I learned because I'm not an arrogant, egotistical fuck. I don't know anything. Mm-hmm. And I combined it with the education and the formal training I had. And I came up with the system that I currently use and that I, I write programs based on. And it's not just one style. It's not just Dorian. It's not just Kai. It's not just Phil. It's literally if all those people got together and had a baby and put it with Exos and CrossFit and Kettlebell and all the other shit I've gone to mentorships for. So it's, it's a unique training and it, it lends itself to, to make me such a unique trainer because I've literally had the opportunity to mentor under some of the greatest minds in the history of the sport and in the history of training. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Um, who are some of the people you admire the most in the industry? Because I'm sure you know much better than me. Um, there's a lot of charlatans out there, but I'm absolutely sure there's a lot of good people too. Um, you know, who would be like your top three people that you find, you know, the most interesting or just to be the best people? They're going to be my business partners, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's going to be Chad Vordameshi, who's my partner at Tiger Fitness and MTS, uh, Sean Torbody and Mike Rashid at Ambrosia, Brandon Curry, Chris Jones. You know, Alan Roberts is a good friend of mine, you know, I, and there's, there's others, but you know, my, my core of individuals that I work with day in and day out and there's more, but you know, if, if I look at who I'm going to go to, it's going to be people I actually work with and, you know, having a close relationship with Brandon, with Sean, with Chad, with Mike, with Chris, you know, and I've known Chris Jones since, you know, 2012 and, you know, we've, we've kind of grown up together and, and we've gone through our issues together, personal issues, public issues, you know, and, and Chris and, and like, you know, Sean Torbati has been my best friend since 2007 and Chad Vordameshi, every business I own, we, we own together. Um, he's my, literally my partner. And of course, in this industry, I work with my wife. So I, I'm blessed to be around a lot of really good individuals outside of my circle. Um, 
you know, if I'm not working with you and we don't have skin in the game, I can trust you, but I can't trust you. Mm -hmm. And I have to be like that because I've lost seven figures plus on just bad relationships. Wow. Um, overset well over um and just people doing the wrong thing and the thing is like i'm polarizing because like we talked about i don't i'll say my opinion and if you don't like it that's fine it's your right to not like it um but there's one thing you won't be able to find and that's anybody who i've screwed over in my 20 plus years in this mm -hmm. business now you might get a story or two that might or that that's probably not true but you know i've made my mistakes personally but as far as screwing people over in business, like, yeah, I mean, your ethics are everything, you know, as far as meeting label claim, as far as making good on things, as far as not going out and selling pro hormones and SARMs, I never did that. You know, I've made my living selling things that help people. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's. It's great to hear that someone, you know, a father and someone that definitely comes off as a leader and is outspoken like you has a, a great circle. And I believe that's a lot more what the world needs, especially going forward. You know, the, the United States is a collapsing empire, in my opinion. And uh, to see people, like I said, entrepreneurs, business owners coming together with great people, I think that's going to be the way out of this and the way forward is that if you have people who have built strong communities around things that mean a lot to them, um, because like I said, it, it looks like a house of cards to me. It looks like a failing empire. And we're going to need people who are able to rebuild the network or just get things going. You really again. think we're a failing empire? I think so. Okay. I, I, I'd like to delve into that. Okay. Yeah, let's go ahead. I think we're great. And I think we're just, we know more than we ever knew. And it's actually, mm -hmm. I think it was way worse before. Now, let me just go over historical timelines. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. A couple hundred years ago, we had slavery. Mm -hmm. That's really fucking bad, right? In the 1960s, we still had civil rights issues. In the 1930s and 40s, we literally took every person of Asian descent and threw them in internment camps. Um, we've we've been we've had um, unjust, un, un uh, unnecessary wars that have wasted money. We've had um, tax rates under FDR that were. Uh, absurd even Correct, to these yeah. standards what i think is happening is i think we're seeing what we see every four to eight years we went from carter to reagan to bush to clinton america goes back and forth and basically what we find out every time is that the last person sucked and it can always be better and the grass is always greener we go from left to right to left to right to left to right and i will remind you that in the 70s and 80s that there was a communist infiltration mm -hmm. of the united states government yeah what was the guy i can't think of the name it's slipping off oh, it's right on to my tongue so i think with i think we're going through somewhat of a renaissance and i think people are waking up and I see it with my neighbors. I see it with a businesses I own. Mm -hmm. People who've gotten the first two shots and they're like, you need boosters. For a lot of people, that's the fucking red pill. And I use mm -hmm. red pill, not based on conservative, but that's matrix, matrix shit, right? Yeah. 
I think we're in a trying time right now. I think mm-hmm. we've uh, we've temporarily had our institutions overrun by really bad people who are really tribal and really not out for the best interest of America, but also travel a lot. And I talk to people in California and I talk to people in in Georgia and I talk to people in all in, in North Carolina. And I'm talking to random folks and you could tell I talk a fucking lot. And I'll talk to people at cash registers. I'll talk to people at firehouse subs. I'll talk to people everywhere. Most people see what we see. Twitter, remember, oh, yeah. I think it's only 20 to 4, is it 40% of people actually have Twitter? And of that, only 1% use it. And of that, only 1% actually participate. You're seeing a lot of paid bots. So are, and also the, the mainstream media. But remember, back in the day, this shit happened before. We we're being lied to by the media. You can find old news clips of global cooling, of all this crazy shit, right? right. <clears throat> the difference is now we have Jack Posobiec, Mike Cernovic, and other people giving us the actual news. Right. So I'm actually much more bullish on America than a lot of my libertarian and conservative friends mm-hmm. because historically, We've already been through all of this shit. The only day, and, and also like, if you don't think America can't have a vaccine, like if we can't have an issue with these, and the, the dude, Disney just got rid of it. Mm-hmm. States are overturning it. Yeah, 29 states having, are doing, yeah. yeah. We're not going to have a national divorce because we can't, because we're held together by a federal government, a federal military. I'd love to have one because mm-hmm. I fucking hate New York and I hate all these blue states. Mm-hmm. They can suck 12 dicks. Don't care. But at the end of the day, we are a country that shares values and we are a country and each state is different. You go to Orange County, California, that's like Tennessee. They're mm-hmm. based as fuck. So I want to know historically, was there ever a better time in American history than there is now? Maybe you could argue the eighties. We had Iran Contra. We had USSR. We had the cold war. We had Cuba pointing a missile at us. Um, you had Panama Canal. You look at the 60s, civil rights, spraying black people down with fire hoses in the streets of Chicago. Mm-hmm. I mean, we go decade by decade in the 40s, imprisoning, taking them out of their house and putting them in internment camps. Even before then, we had Chinese indentured servants building railroads. So, I encourage, I challenge anyone to tell me, when has it been better? I agree with, actually, I would say everything that you just said, but the only um, part where I think I'd apart would be the conclusion. And if you look at where we're headed, our trade deficit continues to go up. The debt we're amassing is enormous. And the interest rate overall set by the Federal Reserve is set at 0%. And you know, in the early 2000s, in order to fund a war, they had to put interest rates super low so that way they could run up a bunch of debt, right? And then it caused the housing market bubble that collapses. And what do they do? Instead of raising interest rates to allow the economy to recover, they push interest rates down even lower, right? So then Obama's, you know, presidency goes on, they run up a bunch of debt, and then, you know, things start to tip back down again. Trump gets in, he boasts all about how great the economy is, even though everything that he said about the economy was essentially a lie. COVID comes around, pricks the bubble, and we're at 0% interest rates, and they need to be paying 
everybody, corporations, banks, the people, copious amounts of money to keep this whole house of cards afloat. So they can't really kick the can down the road anymore. We're in war and have we're in war in what six different countries. We're bombing places like crazy. We have these huge trade deficits. We don't produce anything. Only um, the workforce participation rate is about sixty one point seven percent. We have military bases in I think it's over one hundred sixty countries. We can't afford to be the empire that we are anymore. Now that's not to say that America can't recover. I'm just saying America as we know it right now. To me, and when you look at that picture, at least from my perspective, I don't think it's very sustainable and I think it's doomed to collapse. But the optimistic note of that is I do think that we have the people. I do think that we have the technology. I do think that we have the culture, if it can be awoken, I think it is being awoken, to rebuild America back to its former glory. But, you know, the idea is that we need to get politicians out of the way we need to let business thrive we need to let you know give people the incentives to get back to work i think all that is necessary and i think it can happen but like i said i think america as it is just will not sustain itself but once again everything's there we just have to get back to it and I, i think the tipping point's close um i've talked to um couple different people on my podcast recently and i'm really trying to spread the optimistic message 2022 and 2024 there is the chance for things to go in the right direction i don't know if we can necessarily save america as it is but i really do think that if you can get somebody out there that's ready to spit that hot liberty shit and bring the message to the people of what america once was then people are ready to hear it trump was an example of it he followed through on none of it but someone that just speaks the truth, people are ready to hear it. People want to hear it. People are dying to hear it. So 2022, 2024, if there's somebody out there that's ready to just say it like it is, I think we can turn things around and, like I said, restore America to its former glory. Gave me goosebumps, man. I love it. I love it because I agree with everything you said. Mm-hmm. And that's the nuance of this conversation. See, I was mm-hmm. speaking on the American culture. Right. Our culture is always going to be dynamic because we're not a monoculture. Absolutely. Because yeah. We have multiple cultures and races, and that's what makes America beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that's what gave us Tiger Woods. So, I mean, which before the whole like crazy white woman thing, right? Yeah. Um, it's always the white women. They're crazy. Yeah. Um, I told Tiger to stay, and I didn't tell him anything. I don't know, Tiger. <laughs> but, but, um, funny story tigerfitness.com is actually named because of Tiger Woods. I was going to ask. So Chad, Chad, my I wasn't so I came in in 2011. So Chad, my partner, 2001, he started. He's sitting around with his dad, Larry, who still works with us, and he goes, "They're trying to come up with a name." And uh, Chad, and they're like, "Well, should we do this, that?" And then Larry goes, "Well, I mean, Tiger Woods is hot. What about Tiger Fitness? <laughs> there it is. Um, everybody thinks it because we like tigers and shit. <laughs> so yeah. It's because of Tiger Woods. <laughs> um, so you know, I I agree with everything you say and. You know, one thing is, I think it's good and bad that China owns our debt, and here's why. One is, we're not stupid enough to go to war with China. Like, everybody's like, we should make China pay. I'm like, dude, we owe them $28 trillion. Yeah, can can I hold you up for one second Please do. It's so funny because Trump campaigned on eliminating the trade deficit, right? It hit a new record under Trump. And now Biden just broke that record um, in October with a $93.4 billion trade deficit. If you look it up, you'll be able to find it. I know it was 
93.7 billion yeah so it's because all we've done this last two years is print a bunch of money hand it to a bunch of unproductive people we didn't produce anything you just stuffed everybody's pockets with money and whatever they do everybody went on a shopping spree and where do we get all our stuff we get all our stuff from china because politicians pointed the finger and said look these white construction workers these white factory workers they're bad people here vote for us we'll eliminate all the carbon you know we're no longer gonna kill goldfish babies and trees and uh just vote for us we'll take care of you and you know yeah. we'll send all that stuff over to china so china became the productive country even though they're a house of cards as well um oh they're a mess oh dude it's terrible 250 percent of what they spend or um, they spend 250% of what they take in taxes and they still do 30% of their agriculture by hand. Like they're, they're an empire on the borderline of collapse just as much which, as we which are. Which is great for us mm-hmm. because everybody's like America. I'm like, dude, if you looked at our fucking main enemy, like I'm more worried about Russia because Putin's amazing. Sorry, Putin fan. I'm not that I'm <laughs> not that I'm for what he does, Yeah, but that guy, oh my God. He wrestles fucking bears. Like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, shirtless. Yeah, right. I mean, Putin is a leader. And I, I've, I'm just like, dude, like if there's anyone in the world, and that's why George W. Bush was so good, because he knew how to corral Putin. Like he, he and Putin were hunting. They hunted together. They fucking hung out. So my thing about China, we need China. Because American business can't operate without China. Because to get a gym bag made in the U.S. cost me 70 bucks. Right. To get it made in China cost me eight bucks. And, you know, we try to use non-China sources for. So, for example, um, these shirts that were the, the new the new MTS shirts, right? Mm-hmm. Like we got custom blend custom. Like it's a dry fit material. Never before done. That's the that same stuff that you use on your uh the, the red stripe the, and the blue yeah. stripe. Yeah, yep. my fiance and I both the got tiger, one. The tiger dry. It. The tiger yeah. dry made the fit perfectly so it makes fat people look good and lean people look good. Took us a year to do, but we actually worked with um with a factory in Pakistan. Um, because we could have used China, but we we just thought Pakistan was a better move. Mm-hmm. And they're good people, they do good work. It's slightly more expensive than China, but it's Pakistan. I couldn't make this shirt in the US. The U.S. would not give me. I, I didn't. Didn't matter how much I invest in R and D, the shops would not in would not take the time to custom build this fabric for us. And I'm an anal retentive dude. If I want the perfect shirt, I'm going to build the perfect fucking shirt. And so I had to go to Pakistan. And the reason America fails is because people who negotiated with the unions did a horrible job. So we're paying people 70 bucks an hour to literally screw a lid on a bottle. So the unions are what killed the industry in America. And what that's not their fault because there were two people negotiating those deals. The union leaders were just better negotiators. However, at the same time, we priced ourselves out of the market. Absolutely. And this kind of goes to the argument that a lot of the Chicago economic economists and the Austrian economists make that there should be no minimum wage. The minimum wage is zero because that 15 year old kid, instead of him having to intern and make no money, why not pay him just two bucks an hour? Who cares? You know, it's not like the 15 year old kid's going to be put food on the table for anybody. The dude just wants to make some money. So why can't we pay him, you know, a dollar, $2 an hour, just so he gets his foot in the door. Once he gets his foot in the door, then, you know, it could be exponential where he goes from there. Just as long as he gets his foot in the door. 
I'm looking at it more systemically, like mm-hmm. as minimum wage goes up, cost of goods go up. And so, yeah, liberals are just stupid. They don't see that. Yeah. And also minimum wage jobs are not meant to be your career. So when I was putting myself through school, I had two jobs, you know, and it's not meant to be a permanent thing. And if I'm a business and it's, and I have a minimum wage, I'm going to hire one person instead of two. Right. So it, it, it actually hurts the country. Minimum wage is the stupidest thing we've ever done as a society. Well, not the stupidest right up there because it's, it's, and it's, it's, a, it's a very flawed economic outlook. It's extremely flawed, mm-hmm. extremely flawed. And I just, I'm amazed sometimes maybe it's cause I'm, I'm a hard-headed, arrogant asshole, but I'm surprised people don't see everybody doesn't see it the way I see it. Cause for me, it's pretty common sense. Like as a business owner, if I have X budget, I can either fit one or two employees in there. I'd rather see more employment and then they can earn it. And maybe I fire one and give the other one more money because one overperforms, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like, I never understood that. And if you're banking on a minimum wage job, paying your bills, you need better aspirations in life. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree completely. And I I like the way that uh, Peter Schiff, who's probably my favorite podcaster ever and favorite economist, um, he puts it as you're making it illegal for people to work. People who can't generate $7.25 an hour, it's illegal for them to work. Um, I'm looking for these ways to kind of phrase these things to normal people that kind of have have make them have like a visceral reaction so when i think about inflation i think about it as stealing your purchasing power we printed 40 percent of all us dollars last year and what you know now everybody's freaking out about inflation but you know it's not just that they printed a bunch of dollars they stole your purchasing power your retirement now you will not be able to buy as much with that and because interest rates are low that money doesn't grow as much so i mean it's like a double whammy they're completely stealing all your purchasing power away from you and like i said earlier with the minimum wage you're telling people that it's illegal to work and it disproportionately affects the least skilled people well i i made this comment the other day if you have one job you're a fucking loser. You, mm-hmm. you, you, you realize I, I had this example. I'm not going to throw it, but I had an, I have a neighbor and mm-hmm. I live in my, my, the, the, the starting price for houses here is $2 million starting price. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I have a neighbor who wants to pay off some shit, right? She got a job after work delivering Uber eats. It's making upwards of a hundred dollars an hour. Wow. Just delivering fucking food. Uber drivers making 50 to hundred dollars an hour. That amounts to 80 grand a year full time. Okay. I think 24 an hour is $40,000. So yeah, it's somewhere right there. It's like there. Yeah. 60 grand. Okay. If you go home and you just kick back and you're not doing something productive, like maybe starting a podcast, maybe writing, there's internet jobs that pay you. You can sit on your ass making money. I have more jobs than I can count. I own multiple companies. And if I didn't, if I didn't have all this stuff going on at least two, three hours a night, I'd be delivering Uber eats. I don't care how much money I have. Mm-hmm. So the reason people don't have everything they want and don't have financial security is because they're fucking lazy. There's no reason with everything going on nowadays that you can't have good money. Mm-hmm. There's no reason you get your, okay, here's what you do. Every company is offering health insurance for a full-time job from McDonald's to fucking subway to fucking firehouse. They all are. You get a full-time job paying bullshit money 
work your eight hours, get your health insurance, get your benefits, and you fucking moonlight. And you make whatever doing these stupid Uber Eats or Grubhub. And I say stupid because it's really a thoughtless job. Like, I don't leave work. If I, I always have this thing fucking has me strapped at all times, right? Mm-hmm. You get a job where you literally just go, oh, I'll deliver that. Click, done. Money. And people are too lazy to do that. It's like, dude, you could pay off loans. You could become debt free. Instead, you're going to scrape by and complain about your minimum wage job. If you have a minimum wage job for an extended period of time, that's not the job's fault. That's your fault. Either Mm -hmm. one, you didn't prove to that job that you're worth more than minimum wage, or two, you stayed at a job that isn't willing to pay you more than minimum wage, even though you're performing. Yeah, that's that's really the only way to look at it. And I love that. uh love that perspective and too many people want to point the finger and blame somebody else oh well it's because of this because of that and it goes even beyond just a job you know it's diet too people say, oh i have a slow thyroid i can't do this it's you know basically the only difference between you and where you want to be is the amount of effort you're willing to put in and then the information you know those two things are the only two things ever stopping you from doing what you want to do yeah i i just i I have no tolerance for laziness. Mm-hmm. I have no tolerance for excuses. I have no tolerance for lies. I have no tolerance for bullshit. And unfortunately, that's what we're surrounded with. Absolutely. So my goal is accountability. Like I tell my athletes, like I tell my kids, you know, be accountable. Fuck up, fix it. I'm not going to get mad. My kids still try to lie. It's stupid. I'm not going to get mad at you if you did something wrong and you tell me about it. Like if you broke a fucking vase or something, I'm like, oh, how are you going to fix? Like own up to it. Don't be like, well, uh, a fucking icicle fell from the ceiling. It's like, what the fuck? So, I mean, people just always are, are lacking that accountability. You just got to take the accountability and fix it. If I mess up in my own company, I'll be like, guys, my fault. I'll fix it. It'll never happen again. Yeah. And that really, that's the only way to be. Part of the reason why I started this podcast in particular is because I noticed in the libertarian community is that there's plenty of guys who know every piece of libertarian literature front to back could cite every, you know, single book and line from Mises to Rothbard tell you every single Ron Paul speech, but that was it. (laughs) They weren't interesting people beyond that. And to me, I'm like, well, how are we ever going to advance the message of liberty or at least what we care about if all you guys know is libertarianism? Look, I exercise every single day. I take my dogs for a walk every single morning, even on weekdays, on my birthday, on Thanksgiving, you fucking name it. Four o'clock in the morning, I'm up around five, five fifteen, I'm walking the dogs. You know, I do this podcast. Um, I'm a mechanic for a living. I play in a band as well. Like, I stay freaking busy. Why aren't other people doing that? And if you want, once again, people to care about us or what you're saying. You got to be somebody that they give a shit to hear talk. If you're just reading, you know, if it's a circle jerk of libertarianism, a circle jerk of your diet, a circle jerk of anything. Okay. Yeah. It's fun for a little bit, but nobody's going to want to listen to you because, or at some point because they realize, okay, well, you know, I I got everything I need from this. You know, you should be somebody interesting. And like you said, you should be accountable to yourself. Absolutely. And it's it's about personal accountability. And that's where libertarianism stands. Mm -hmm. Um, Libertarianism is a party. Not going to happen in my lifetime, probably. But libertarian is an ideology. And that's where Larry Elder did a good job, at least back in the early 2000s. He was a libertarian talk show host in California. Mm -hmm. Um, Larry Elder show. I used to listen to it on my way to work every day. 
And uh, then he changed. And one day he's like, I'm a Republican because the best, the best way for the libertarian party to persevere is to do what Rand Paul is doing to do what Ron Paul did. And that's to infiltrate the conservative party who shares a lot of similar values at its heart. Mm. It's just been taken over by neocons um, to, uh, you know, and rhinos shares a lot of, a, a lot of similarities. Um, we're basically conservatives who like drugs. Yeah. To, to, so, to a certain degree. I mean, I consider myself a social conservative, although I consider my political philosophy uh, to be that of anarcho-capitalism. But, you know, obviously I realized that achieving that in this day and age is a pipe dream. That, like that oh, is yeah. not happening. You have to negotiate with the terrorists, bro. But <laughs> <You have to laughs> um, you have to negotiate. It's uh. I, I'm a social conservative because I believe that is the most stable structure for a society. You need look at God. What, you yeah. need God. You just need God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, look at what, you know, the last 50, 60 years have brought us of, you know, Planned Parenthood, birth control. And I'm not saying that these things are necessarily bad in themselves or maybe Planned Parenthood, but, um, yeah, you know, look you. at how many single mothers there are and look at what that does to our society. I mean, it, it's, it's like taboo to say that, but, there's so many women out there that are proud to be single moms. It's like, this is not a good thing. Cause no, now specifically, it, that kid is at a very huge disadvantage. To huge. Yeah. And it's crystal clear, but you see these fucking women and there's social tropes around it to make them feel good about it. And I'm not saying that if you're a single mom, you should be put down, you should be put to shame, but right. like, that's a huge, that's not a good thing. We should celebrate that. It should be, you need to make sure you're not opening your legs for every dude that walks past. Because if you get knocked up by some random dude who's going to leave you, then that's on you for not only having bad judgment, but it's also that dude's irresponsibility. It's a fault on both ends. And I'm going to get flamed for this, but I'm okay with that. Um, Men need to not tolerate that. And women also need to be better and not tolerate a guy who's going to leave them. Just because that's the most the best way that we can flourish a society to have solid families. So you can't have this hookup culture. You can't celebrate single moms and expect to have a prosperous society because it falls apart. Well, I mean, look at the, look at the black community in the sixties where it was much more disadvantageous and systemically racist. Um, mm-hmm. But their black. families were much better off. They were 77% married. Mm-hmm. They were 77% dual parent households. Now we're down to the 20% range. Right. So, and that's a direct correlation with crime rates and, and all the poverty and stuff going on. You need to have a strong man and a strong woman in the household. Absolutely. You know, our, our household, my wife can't discipline for shit. Um, I can't nurture for shit, but together we're unstoppable. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not nurturing. I'm not. And I know that. And my wife is extremely nurturing. I also don't like being a disciplinarian, but I'm bigger. I have a deeper voice. Just talking, I was just talking about this today. Like my dogs don't even listen to my wife because I'm bigger. I'm strong, like, or my kids. I'm the only one that my puppy listens to because he's scared shitless of me. It's not like I hit a puppy, right? Like I said yeah. that earlier today. Like I said that earlier in this podcast. So there, there, you need both parents. I, I couldn't agree more. And that's why no matter how bad our marriage got, my wife and I went to counseling and worked it out. You know, because that was what's best for our kids. Once you have kids, it's about more than just you and your happiness. Dude, I, be selfless. I could not agree more. And Jordan Peterson always said, uh, when you have kids, it's no longer about you. And I think that is like one of the most important things that anybody could take away from, um, you know, someone like that is that 
your kids have to come first. You can't yes. just hedonistically breed and then, you know, shove them off in daycare and expect that they'll be all right. If you never give them any attention, you never spend any quality time with them. Yeah, that's the key time. You need to be an active parent. Right. And that's huge. Um, I plan to be a father within the next few years. I'm getting married next year. And um, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going uh, on 25 years of my wife. Yeah, I, I just turned 27. Uh, Fuck. Sixth. <laughs> I feel old as shit. Oh, um, dude, you're good, yeah. Yeah, it's. I was like, uh, yeah, someone the other day said you're, you're forty. Like I online, you have someone who says you look fifty. I'm like, oh, oh cool. Um, <laughs> and then you have, and then you have people in real life. It's funny. They're like, like I, I got the vet today. Like I took my dog in for his shots, and because uh, he's a puppy, and we we are not anti-vax for puppies. And uh, you know, um, but you wouldn't put flies on their face, right? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Only okay, flies. Um, and, and I'm like. And I'm like, she, I'm like, she's like, oh, how old are you? She's like, I'm like, yeah, I turned 41. She's like, you're 41. I'm like, you think I'm older? She's like, no, no, I would have guessed you in your early 30s. I'm like, oh shit, you're nice, you know. Um, so yeah, so I mean, look, man, it's it's a whole systemic thing, but yeah, that's where I agree with you that, and Ben Shapiro says this is that, you know, religious society needs a religion. We need a faith. We need a belief in some kind of God, some kind of social, some kind of a, a moral compass, some kind of an ethical, you know, guiding light. And that's, that's what religion gives us. Nice. Well, uh, we had all sorts of topics and yeah, I, I do do that. <laughs> yeah, no, this was, uh, this was awesome. I'll probably release this on Friday. Um, Sweet. so I, I, this might be, I say this almost every single podcast, but I just, everybody I've talked to has been so awesome and you're absolutely no exception to that at all. Um, go ahead, plug your stuff, Mark, and uh, we'll get rocking and rolling, brother. Social media at Mark Lobliner, M-A-R-C-L-O-B-L-I-N-E-R. Uh, YouTube channel is Tiger Fitness, youtube.com slash Tiger Fitness. Just type in Mark Lobliner, you'll find me. It's with a C, Lobliner. This fucking, it's a weird name, just figured it out. Um, hopefully he has it in the show notes, but yeah, it's been an honor to be on here. Um, you make a lot of sense. Your, uh, your, your take on the economy and the empire, I do agree with, but as an optimist and someone who is a first generation American, I think we're, I think we're going to pull through, man. Well, I, I couldn't ask for a better note to end that on. And I, I, I don't know. We'll definitely see, man. And, uh, we'll be here for it. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely think you got a solid crew with you, your uh, nutrition company, everything that you do is awesome. And um, I'm sure it'll be here afterwards. And, you know, if we pull through then I'm sure you'll still kick ass on the other side, man. Either way, we'll be selling that shit in China. <laughs> hell yeah, man. All right. Till next time, everybody in Liberty and health. Oh, what the hell? Wrong thing. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.